Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once again for the Salvation Meeting here on Fortress Radio. We're well into August now and we've enjoyed a few days of beautiful sunshine. So if you're going to have some sort of holiday in this strangest of all strange years, then I sincerely hope you have a great time. But don't forget to take God with you. All those new people to share him with in a different place. What an opportunity for witness. We're going to start our meeting this evening with one of the great hymns of the church, Who is on the Lord's Side? by Francis Ridley Havergal. It's number 992 in our songbook. I've been asked to give the number out a bit earlier before we start singing to give you all a chance to find it. So that gives me a chance to mention that the tune we're going to use is Rachie, written by Caradog Roberts, who was born in North Wales, quite close to where I was born. And the tune is named after Rachel, or Rachie, Williams, the daughter of the pastor of his nearby church. The Bristol Eastern Band are going to accompany us this evening with the up-tempo arrangement found in the Scripture-based Songs series. Who is on the Lord's side?
we pray this evening, I want each of us to look closely at our own relationship with Jesus. I saw a documentary recently that said we as humans devote more time to our personal relationships than to anything else. That's either as single people looking for the one, making boyfriends and girlfriends, men and lady friends for the slightly older, and of course in developing, deepening and nurturing our married relationships with our life partners. I couldn't help but look back at my own life and remembering each of those periods with various states of gratitude and regret. A little sadness, but also great humour. And I wondered how much time I've devoted in those same years to my personal relationship with Christ. We have a wonderful treasury of poetry in our Salvation Army songbook to help us on this quest. And we're going to use a great and deep song tonight written by one of my faith heroes, Herbert Booth. It's number 588. I bring to thee my heart to fill. I feel how weak I am, but still to thee for help I call. In joy or grief, to live or die, for earth or heaven, this is my cry. Be thou my all in all. Christ is all, yes, all in all. If Jesus is all in all to us, then we will have achieved that relationship that I just spoke of. And no matter what the world may throw at us, joy, sadness, grief or tragedy, success, failure or a sort of lost confusion, such as perhaps we feel in this current time of pandemic, our soul will be safe rooted in the knowledge of Jesus as our lifelong friend, guide, saviour, and all in all. As we sing verses 1 and 3 of this song, let's bring ourselves closer, maybe closer than ever before, to him, and feel his presence with us in a very special way. And then Captain Martin Crawford, recently appointed Corps Officer at Southampton Shirley, is going to open our meeting in prayer.
But on thy strength, O God, I lean, and through the blood that makes me clean, you are my all in all. And Lord, today we pray that you can be everything that we need to be. We pray that sometimes we don't rely on the strength that you can provide for us. And we know that we should lean on your everlasting arms. Today in our world, we see so many things that just we are not in control of. And I pray today that you will intervene. We think of Lebanon. We think of uh, places around the world in Syria. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy to think that we are so small and insignificant, but with your strength, we can do all things. I pray these things in your wonderful and your precious name, in your power and in your strength. Amen. Thank you, Martin, for leading us in prayer. Now, I'm sure that for each of us, we can say with great confidence, knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. So let's sing that beautiful song by Graham Kendrick together now. It's number 565 in our book. And as we sing... Let's make that affirmation once more in our hearts. I love you, Lord.
Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking quite a lot at the miracles that Jesus performed while he was here on earth with us. And the singing company song this evening is a reaction that, I guess, would have often been heard when someone witnesses a miracle. It's unbelievable! Thank you there to the Exeter Temple Singing Company, 1992 Vintage, bringing us Chick Yule's popular song. Our Bible reading this evening is taken from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Jesus changes water into wine. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realise where it had come from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew. 
Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Over the next few meetings that I'll be sharing with you, we're going to be looking at some of the miracles of Jesus. That was the first miracle that Jesus did, according to John. And only when reading the Gospels in detail do we ever realise quite how many miracles there are listed. Scholars tell me there are at least 37 specific miracles recorded in the Gospels, with 22 in Matthew alone. Well, the great Danish Salvation Army composer Eric Silverberg wrote many pieces that we still use very regularly with Salvation Army bands. But the selection we're going to hear this evening, titled Miracles, is not one that I've heard or played for some time. Although it was one of the first pieces I ever played with the band as a senior soldier. It has three tunes in it, all of course associated with miracles. The Paralysed Man blind to see, and his loving touch. This is Miracles, played for us by the Montclair Band. Thank you. 
Delighted to introduce to you this evening Ruth Dutfield. Ruth is the lovely wife of our CO here in Lincoln, Captain Hugh Dutfield. It seems hard to believe they've already been with us here in the Corps for five years. As so often happens, although Hugh is our officer, Ruth has her own ministry, and it's been so special and so important in the life of our Corps during that time. She also has a ministry, not just in the Corps, but in the school where she works. And I've known Ruth's family for many, many years before we met in this circumstance. This evening, Ruth is going to share with us some of her story of life with Jesus. When Mark asked me the other day to give my testimony, I was absolutely delighted, especially on that particular day. 30 years ago on Wednesday that my brother was promoted to glory. The song he loved singing is Lord, the light of your love is shining in the mists of the darkest shine. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free from the truth you know in us. Shine upon me. And the chorus says, Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, let there be light. Well, as you already know, my name is Ruth. I was born a long time ago in the 60s, and I'm married to Hugh, who is an officer in the Salvation Army. Just to let you know that I am not an officer yet, we have two beautiful children, Jessica, who is married to Matthew, and Josh, who has a partner called Alfie. I was brought up into a loving, caring Christian home. My mum, Babs, attended the Salvation Army, although for a time my father did not attend, but always encouraged us as children. I have a sister, Hilary, who lives in Bournemouth with her husband. We were devastated on August the 6th, 1990, as my brother Gareth, or Louis as everybody would call him, was suddenly promoted to glory. What a shock it was for us and to his many friends, and especially for my mum and dad. God is so precious, and uh, the month before that, Jessica was born, so it was such a delight to hand Jessica to my parents when they were crying and brought a little sparkle to their face. God has always been with us as a family through all what we have faced in life. Lamentations 3, 
23 is a verse which has been very special to us. It says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you've got a song book, it's song number 26. And I love the assuring words where it says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. What things are you facing at this moment? Do you feel that you're on your own? Do you feel that you need to talk to somebody? Or you have difficulty in knowing what you've got to do next? My friends, these are powerful words from Lamentations and has helped me so many times. Just look it up because God is with us and will be with you. Many years ago, God called me to be a Salvation Army officer and I would love to share my journey with you and how God has been with me and my family throughout this process. I became a Christian as a teenager. Being at school was not the most pleasant of places and if they knew you belonged to the Salvation Army, boy oh boy, they certainly picked on you. But I got through it. Meeting Hugh at a young age, we felt that God was calling us both into officership, but we waited. We had Jessica and then we had Josh. With them growing up and Hugh in a good job, we seemed to get on with life. But that persistent calling never went away. We believed that we would offer, yet that was not the right time. We continued as a family to enjoy the things in life. Shopping, eating Chinese on a Saturday night and just being together. Yet in 2011, all things changed for us as a family. Hugh offered for officership on his own as I felt that I couldn't get through the process. We prayed about it together and with our children and some beautiful officers at that time. I didn't feel jealous and I was assured that this was right. And with their children's willingness, he replied. Then our daughter became ill and needed a serious operation. Also, Josh needed a very difficult operation as well. Let's go back to Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 23. This certainly guided us through that time. Through prayer and love by so many people, I cannot describe the peace we felt at that time. Joshua 3 verse 19 has also helped us through those times and continues to do so. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 2013, off to the training college we went. God's presence and guidance was with us at the right time in the middle of crossing the M4 at the Seven Bridge, where someone rang from our home call with a word of scripture. Leaving Jessica and Josh behind wasn't easy, but our God is so amazing and protected them both. The following May, Josh decided to come and live in London. And um, I can assure you that as we left the college in 2015, God provided a place for Josh to live. Hugh was commissioned as the Herald of Grace session and we were appointed to Lincoln. What an amazing place God has placed us in. To do God's work 
and how blessed we have been. We've laughed, cried and got to know so many people in so many situations which I would never have believed we would. What a privilege and honour that has been. When one of our children was ill, somebody gave them a gift to put on our fireplace. It said, step by step. As a family, we try and do this, not by ourselves, but by our journey with God. Step by step. Finally, please pray for me, as I am a candidate waiting to go to college. I just want to thank God because in March of this year he also opened another door for me to get into college. So please just continue to pray for me, Hugh, Jessica, Matthew, Josh and Alfie as we continue our journey with him. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning you mercies I see. And finally, looking through my brother's stuff, it's lots of little things like saying to us that he loved us, which were very precious to us. He wrote some poems. So I'd like to share with you one of his poems that he has written. And if you would like his book, I certainly will send it to you free of charge. This is what he writes. Louis Song. The moment I fall, you reach out to me. The moment I cry, you dry my tear. So often I try to be like you, Lord, but I fail you so pitifully. Lord, you're the one who changed my life around and gave me a peace within. I give you my life for you to do your will and guide me in the path of my life. Please give me your strength so I can tell that you are the only way. For you give new life to those who believe and you walk by their side every day. Why do you love me the way you do? Your love is always so strong. You lift me up in your loving arms and comfort me each day anew. So thank you for loving us the way you do and the love that is always so strong. Continue to lead us the way that you want and teach us in all that you do. Thank you for listening to me. God bless. When Jesus came into your heart, wiped away everything you'd ever done wrong, and promised that it was never to be remembered any more, where were you? Were you already quite close to him? A child brought up in a Christian home? Or were you an adult who knew all the stories but had somehow managed to avoid letting them have any kind of lasting impression on your life? Or maybe you had never known anything about Jesus until a crisis in your life led to him being recommended. We all have different stories. We all have a different experience. But I hope, and I pray, that each of us has had that crucial encounter with the one who we let become Lord of our lives. The songsters are bringing us tonight a great song of testimony. He sought and found me when I was wandering far away. It's Damien Wildman's beautiful setting of Sidney Cox's song, He Sought Me, and it's sung for us tonight by the International Staff Songsters.
When people meet me and get to know me quite well, they're often surprised that I don't spend all my time every day listening to Salvation Army music. I've got a very, very wide range of tastes, including rock music, particularly progressive rock. And a favourite song of mine has a chorus that begins, Though we are past the age of miracles, maybe this one's overdue. Although the writer then goes on to say that a single prayer has the power of thunder. So he acknowledges that the great thing that happened to him was a sort of miracle, and that there may indeed have been some sort of divine source for that miracle, but there was still enough uncertainty in his mind to feel the need to express some doubt. One of the first songs I ever remember hearing on the radio as a small boy was I Don't Believe in Miracles. And I remember asking my dad why he would bother listening to that, as the singer obviously wasn't a Christian. Well, rather surprisingly, I read this week that belief in miracles is rather more widespread than we might think. According to a recent survey, 72% of people in the United States and 59% of people in the United Kingdom do believe that miracles take place. Perhaps we often say to each other, it'll take a miracle to get out of this, particularly sports fans. I remember my football team in Portsmouth had a miracle escape from relegation in 2006. Wow, was that really 14 years ago? And all seemed lost until a miraculous 20 minutes in a game against Manchester City turned things around and inspired the players to superhuman efforts over the last few weeks of the season. But honestly, that kind of miracle is not what I'm talking about here. There's also no doubt that the human mind can achieve great things, and mind over matter is a reason often given by atheists to explain away truly great spiritual miracles. With regards to our Bible reading this evening, I've heard people try to explain that the jugs used must have already contained wine dregs, or grape must, so that the water simply diluted it to produce a winey beverage, and the host, well, he was probably too drunk to notice the difference. Oh, what nonsense! If they read the story properly, it's clear to see that the jugs used were normally ones used for ceremonial washing. They'd never have been anywhere near wine before. I read a newspaper article a few years ago about a young girl who had recovered from leukaemia. During her treatment, she'd been told to imagine there was a war going on in her body between the good and the bad blood cells. And she mentally fought this battle every day with a passion until the good cells won and she was cured. Now, I'm sure there's nothing wrong with positive thinking at all. But I also think that the medical treatment the girl had and the prayers from friends and family and well-wishers also had something to do with the outcome. But sometimes things just cannot be explained. I spoke just last week about a wonderful Christian man that I'd met as a young student about 40 years ago, and Eric Ford came back into my mind again today. 
Eric had been a Salvation Army officer in his younger days, but he had been forced to leave his vocation due to terrible health problems, in particular stomach and intestinal ulcers. He told us in Youth Fellowship one evening how, one night before he went to bed, he'd have been in his fifties by then, he prayed the most passionate prayer he'd ever prayed in his life. Eric said to the Lord that he had about ten years of active service left and he so wanted to work again for the extension of God's kingdom. He told us how he placed his hand over his midriff and told God that if he would only take away the ulcer problems he had, then he could once again do this. Next time Eric went to the hospital, he had the usual x-rays taken, and the consultant brought in the result. The doctor held, in either hand, the last two x-rays. On the first, the terrible ulcers and the scarring from older now healed ulcers were clearly visible all over the picture. But on the new x-ray, taken just that day, all evidence that Eric had even had a single ulcer was gone. As the doctor explained, the intestine in that picture looked like that of a young, healthy man. He was bewildered. He couldn't explain what he was seeing. Even after Eric took the opportunity of witnessing about his healing, the doctor remained entirely sceptical. And yet the proof was right there before his eyes. Now that's a miracle. And the more we look at all the stories told in the Bible, we see more and more and more that miracles were, and still are, extremely commonplace. Creation is a miracle that divides opinion between Christianity and science more than anything else. I'm no expert, I have read a bit, but I find it much, much harder to believe that everything in the universe spontaneously appeared by chance after a random explosion than occurred at the will of a heavenly creator. The distance between the Earth and the Moon really isn't very much at all, and we've proved that by sending men to the Moon. But do you know that if the world was just four times closer to the Sun than the moon is from us, all of our oceans would boil away and life on earth would be impossible. Yet God hung the world in space in exactly the right place for life on it to be possible. Just a chance? What are the chances of that happening by pure random means? But there are a million things you could ask that about. Like why the shape of a particular orchid attracts the only wasp that can enable cross-pollination with other flowers, just because it looks like the female wasp and fools the male into landing on it. And yet, still, millions will rather believe in these random happenings than in a wonderful, all-powerful God with a guiding hand. Water into wine is a difficult miracle for us to get our heads round in some ways, particularly as salvationists with our non-alcoholic approach. It wasn't a miracle that Jesus himself felt compelled to do. In fact, 
the reading explains that he was rather reluctant. Yet, to avoid what was probably his own family being greatly embarrassed, and at the insistence of his mother, Jesus did as he was asked. It resolved the physical situation, of course. But just imagine the effect that this event must have had on the disciples, who we know were present as well. They had met this man Jesus and decided to follow him. They must have believed there was something about him, but they had not yet seen evidence of his being the Son of God. Well, now they had. What they had witnessed Jesus doing defied logic. It defied science. It defied reason. It must have been an amazing thing to see. And then, right then, they believed. Oh yes, they believed. They knew beyond any doubt that the man that they had chosen to leave their nets and their other professions for was someone really special. So what about us, you and me? Have you ever experienced a miracle? Can you appoint to a moment in your life when Jesus did something for you, personally, that had the same effect? Your own personal miracle? Well, I hope you have. For what greater miracle can any of us ever experience than having our sins forgiven and forgotten? Wow. End of story. End of argument. Which of us needs any more than that? Oh yes, it took a miracle to hold the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, wow, that took some miracle of love and grace. My Father is omnipotent and that you can't deny the God of might and miracles is written in the sky. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when he saved my soul, let and made me whole. It took a Miracle to hang the 
My thanks to the Norwich Citadel Band for bringing us that lovely song. And thanks also to Gwen Fadgens who asked me to use it this evening. So appropriate for us in this meeting. Our closing song this evening is number 884. A great old army song by Emma Booth Tucker, another of the founder's children. Remember, we sang a song by Herbert earlier. This is the song that I thought I'd included in the meeting a few weeks ago, only to discover that I'd introduced it, talked about it, and then chosen another completely different song in its place. Well, it's the right one this evening, and I sincerely hope that you, like me, are truly climbing up that golden stair to glory. Hallelujah.
And Lord, we pray this evening for all those who are climbing up that golden stair. Some may be very near the top. Most of us somewhere in the middle. Others will have just tentatively, perhaps, taken their first steps. Bless us all, Lord. Keep us going. Keep us climbing nearer and nearer to you every day of our lives. And now may thy grace, peace and heaven's richest and choicest blessings go with us until we can meet like this again. Amen. Thank you.